Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Werney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Werney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs, and we are broadcasting to you live on the day of Sports Bowl Sunday. Yeah, the Justin Timberlake concert is tonight. I'm really excited. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> do you know? Do you know who's playing in the game? I do not. It's the Patriots, right? And? Uh, Ben, it is clear from our weeks together that I know nothing about football. Just nothing. (laughs) Patriots and the Eagles today. Everyone enjoy, well, I guess you will already have enjoyed your Super Bowl Sunday by the time this airs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I like, I like me some, some wings, some beer, some (laughs) new commercials. I'm going to have a good time watching it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you are fresh off a week of work, my friend. How how, how are you recovering? I am getting there. Uh, <laughs> I have not drafted in four days. Oh my god! I'm dying. Are you twitching? I do. I Get am the twitching sweats a on. Bit. Yeah, yeah. It's not been good. Uh, so if we check in on the trophy leaderboard, I've only done three more drafts since we last recorded. Wow. So I have a total of 36 drafts, 11 trophies. I'm 67 and 35 for a barely rounded up 66% win rate. Uh, you're still doing better than me. You're all right. Uh, I have been jamming drafts this week. I'm up to 65. I also took a little dip into the uh, the adult pool in the competitive queues um, for like the past I don't know, 12 drafts or so. Um, and I'm up to 12 trophies, uh, 109 to 67 for a 62% win rate. So a little bit up from where I was last week. I came in hot off of our episode 31 recording, had a really, really good record. And then a bunch of one ones in the competitive queues will sort of stall out my win right there. But I think I, I, I may, maybe a convert at least for, for a couple weeks. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to see how that goes for you. I'm still not quite brave enough. Yeah, I I like being a big fish in the small pond. Yeah, it. I will say it doesn't feel different in terms of like, uh, blue is a lot drier in the competitive queues than it is in the intermediate queues, or at least it was. Uh, I feel like after the Pro Tour and the latest limited resources episode, the meta is going to shift based on a lot of people seem to be in line with what we talked about uh, on our last week's episode. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see like what, how to shift now that like maybe, maybe blue is going to dry up quicker. And then what are you going to do to combat that? But I haven't felt that the, the cues have been that much different in terms of like, I've been like, oh man, my opponents are so much better than me, um, which I guess is good. But also, you know, when you, when you won one, you're like, well, that's, that's just 15 bucks flushed down the toilet right there. Yeah. That's what I, that's the thing I would not like. I'm sure. That's the thing that's the worst. One wanting is when you're like, this deck was good. If I was in an intermediate queue, I could, I could play my last match and go two one. But like when you owe one, 
It's not that bad because when you owe on an intermediate, you're like, I gotta, pl- I gotta claw my way back for the for the two packs. Yeah, I'm I'm much closer to just wanting to owe one drop every time I, that happens to me in the intermediate queues these days. Right. Yeah. So that that that's where I'm at. Um. So we got a lot to get into today. The pro tour, the the top eight is happening as we are recording right now. Uh, or though though it may be over. Go read. I hope Reed does well. Read or Jerry. Too. That's who I'm rooting for. You're just such a nationalist. Just rooting for those <laughs> Americans. So we're going to look at a bunch of the drafts that were featured on coverage uh, and a couple that weren't uh, this weekend. But before we get into that, we want to welcome a couple new patrons to the fray. That's right. We do have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's a way for you to give back to the show if you so choose. Um, we have some sweet perks there. You get access to our show notes, access to our Lords of Limited Discord channel, which is blowing up these days. Um, we do a little pre-show recording, so you get some behind the scenes, depending on what tier you're at. And of course... When you join, we shout you out on the show. So thank you, Samuel and Daniel. Welcome, welcome. We really, really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you so, so, so much. And one other thing that I want to do before we dive into the drafts today is just talk about a few cards from Ixalan that uh, have moved up or down for me since the introduction of Rivals. Um, We talked about a lot of these cards last week on uh, how to avoid aggro and what cards are good at combating aggro. So I'm going to not talk about why dual shot is good or why grazing whiptail is good or those things, but touch on a few things that, that we didn't discuss last week for some different reasons. Um, so one of those cards, surprisingly, is Shorekeeper. So the, the single blue 03 that you can pay eight mana, crack it, and draw three. I have found this card as like pretty serviceable in the ways that uh, Snubhorn Sentry is kind of serviceable in the early parts of the game. And then if you don't end up with two to three Secrets of the Golden City in your blue deck, I think Shorekeeper does a great impression of that card, and I have been pretty happy to include one of these in some blue decks of mine. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, Raider's Wake is, I think, still not maybe main deckable, but is a really excellent sideboard option against these blue draw a bunch of cards decks. So if you're facing down someone who's got a couple Secrets of the Golden City, who's often having their hand quite full, I think this is a powerhouse against them, because like it really combats what their deck is trying to do. Or Kumena's Awakening, could you imagine that? Just every turn, they're getting that extra card. I had that. I brought Raiders Wake in against someone who had Kumena's Awakening. Oof. Yeah, I was, was patting myself on the back for that one. The amount of enchantment removal that exists, and I guess it's really just the introduction of Luminous Bonds and Water Knot, but, you know, they're both at common, so they're, they're pretty prevalent, I think makes cards like Storm Sculptor way better. I'm actually pretty happy to main deck one Storm Sculptor in these the kinds of controlling blue decks. Because one, it's it's a pretty good finisher. And two, it often will let you rebuy your creature. So you're, you'll get a two-for-one with it. Um, so a creature that's been stuck under an enchantment. And for the same reason, I think Costly Plunder is quite good. And I've often been happy to main deck one of these in uh, black decks that aren't blue. Because I often am looking for some sources of incremental card advantage. And Costly Plunder is now not so much a, a two-for-two. But it's going to be... Generally, uh, a two-for-one because you'll get to sacrifice a creature that's that's under one of these enchantments. And a little less good because it doesn't quite play with Water Knot as well, but it does play with Luminous Bonds. So if you're against a white opponent who's got Luminous Bonds and Pious Interdictions as their removal, uh, I think bringing in a, a vehicle is not the worst thing you can do. A little Sleek Schooner to take advantage of the, the creature that's under the pacifism effect is really good. I mean, you will remember that from, from Kaladesh block, like... That's why the, the pacifism effects weren't as good. Removal was because you could still use those creatures to crew your vehicles. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the four six is still a house, like the four six vigilance one, the dusty yeah. room, whatever. Yeah, dreadnought is that what it's called? Yeah, good job. Name that card. Uh, <laughs> and last uh, card that I've been pretty impressed with, and you, you, we were talking about this before we recorded, but cancel is just a really good answer against bombs, especially bombs that have like static effects. Like when you're in blue white, and all you can do is like you were talking about this, like losing to tender shoot dryad because all you can do is luminous bonds it or water knot it feels really bad so having cancel is a way to be like all right well i can even if it's stuck i can bounce it and then i have cancel up to deal with it or some other hard counter horn swoggle if that's what your option but i I think a main deck hard counter isn't the worst thing you can do yeah i've been happy main decking one cancel in my blue decks and fine like sideboarding in like two to three and some of the grindier matchups in the format yeah a couple cards that i think have gotten worse from ixalan these are cards this first one is maybe cards that people always thought were terrible grim captain's call was a card that i actually liked quite a bit in uh, <laughs> in black green decks just because black green often had ways to get three or four for one off this card and those decks were pretty grindy but by the time you get to the ixalan pack if you're in black and you're looking for a grim captain's call you probably already have one or two recovers and that's just often much better so i i don't think you need to to be picking this card up though you may never have been picking this card up i loved that card and i do agree that recovers better recovery keeps going up and up and up in my pick order recovers great i mean I, i was way off the mark with black i think it's the second best color and it might end up at the end of the day being the best color in the format just because the uncommons are so busted and the removal and sort of like recover slash dusk legion zealot are great little incremental card advantage engines and i just think that all adds up to black being a fantastic color in this format but speaking of a black card that i think is not maybe as good is wanted scoundrels i mean i still think it's fine but i don't think it's the windmill slam like crazy good uncommon it was in ixalan because there are just way more ways to kill this for three or four mana like the fact that impale exists is way different than contract killing because that's one extra turn of being able to attack with this um so i think that it's then turning impale into like a two mana removal spell which is also pretty gross so i I think wanted scoundrels is still maybe fine but uh i'd just be wary of the fact that the removal did get a lot better and you're not getting the sick value that you once did with it yeah one thing uh, one other thing i would add to this list is i think adanto vanguard has gotten a lot worse too with the prevalence mm. of like sailor of means running around I, i've played that card a couple times now and it's felt just medium every time i've cast it on turn two it's gotten blanked pretty quickly and i've not been willing to pay the four life very often to attack into things so that's interesting i would counter that by saying it's also nice but it, it is nice that you don't have to be white black to get the wombo combo of vanguard with a lifelink enchantment uh yeah that's true yeah but y- you make a good point the prevalence of sailor of means really makes that card quite a bit worse all right it's pro tour time then i'd like to sit down at a round table yeah i am psyched let's do it all right all right first draft here this is seth manfield's day one draft so picture yourself you've qualified you won that magic online sealed ptq got your invite and you're sitting down on day one in a pod that includes the likes of Ari Lax, Owen Turtenwald. Uh, who else was in this pod? This pod had some big names in it. Yeah, Andrew Cuneo, I think, was in there as well. Pod was looking looking real tough. So this is Seth Manfield's draft. You sit down, pack one, pick one at the Pro Tour, uh, and we're going to shortcut these these packs and just look at the most relevant cards. So you see, in contention, Dusk Legion Zealot. That's the one in a black, one one vampire. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. 
Mutiny, the single red mana sorcery, target creature and opponent controls, deals damage to another target creature that opponent controls, equal to the first creature's power. Sailor of Means, two and a blue for the one four pirate that makes a treasure when it enters the battlefield. And Warkite Marauder, one and a blue for the two one flying pirate, and when it attacks, you can make target creature and opponent controls lose all its abilities and become an O one until the end of turn. Is the nickname Ariel Hammerskull catching on for anyone for this card? <laughs> uh you're gonna make it happen because that's what that card is right it's a flying hammer skull yeah it's good yeah it just like removes a blocker this pack is pretty weak i mean other than the rare i don't know i would probably just take sailor of means first but this rare is very good um it's like kite sail corsair on steroids a little bit um i think the card is is quite strong a little efficient beater and i would take the warkite marauder yeah i agree very very good i think seth also agrees and he took the warkite marauder as well great moving on to pack one pick Two, you see the following options. Fathom Fleet Border. Two and a black for the 3-3 three, three pirate uh, that when it enters the battlefield, you lose two life unless you control another pirate. At a Seer, that's one white green for the 2-3, probably human shaman, I think, that can tap to add a mana of any color to your mana pool, and you have the ability to sacrifice it to return target dinosaur from your graveyard to your hand. Sunny T, Suncrest of Pterodon. I had to, <laughs> Ethan put this in our show notes and I had to text him. I was like, what is Sunny T? I haven't like <laughs> drafted all week and apparently this nickname's catching on in his, his Twitch chat and Discord. I'm just trying to make it happen. That's all. Sunny T, it's going to be a thing. Yeah. Four and a white for the two five dinosaur with flying and it's got dino vigilance. Vigilance if you control another dinosaur. Silvergill adept, one and a blue for the two one merfolk uh, that when it enters the battlefield you draw a card and as an additional cost to cast it you either need to reveal a merfolk card from your hand or pay an extra three generic mana and another mutiny. Another pretty weak pack here. I think probably on like power level either Atzikan Seer or Silvergill adept are like the best cards here. And while Silver, Silver Girl Adept, I think, is a very good card, it is also, you're basically taking a blue-green card, because I think this is going to shine the most in Merfolk. There are certainly scenarios where you're blue X and you have enough Merfolk to make this consistently cost two mana, but I would take Silver Girl Adept, realizing I'm taking a blue-green card here, and be very wary of committing too hard to Merfolk at this point, um, but I still think that's the pick for me in this pack. I agree. I would be on Silvergill Adept as well. And Seth agrees too. He took Silvergill Adept. So we're two for two with Seth Manfield. Great. On to pack one, pick three. You see the following options. Guilt Grove Stalker, one and a green for the two one Merfolk. And when it attacks, it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Sailor of Means, two and a blue for the one four. Make a treasure when it enters the battlefield. Legion Conquistador, two and a white for the 2-2 Vamp that lets you search up other copies of Legion Conquistador upon entering the battlefield. And Famished Paladin, one and a white for the 3-3 Vampire that does not untap during its controller's untap step. And whenever you gain a life, untap Famished Paladin. This pack, again, quite weak. I've taken two blue cards. I don't really see a reason to not take another blue card. I would just grab Sailor of Means here and be pretty happy about it. I already passed one. Uh, I don't know at this point, like how much this deck is out of the bag or how much people are trying to draft this deck, but I certainly would be. And I don't see a reason to take a card like Guildgrove Stalker and sort of like commit hard to Merfolk because uh, Guildgrove Stalker, like I think you've talked about Goblin Trailblazer not being a card you're very excited about. Similarly, Guildgrove Stalker is not a card that I want to be drafting or putting in my decks. It's certainly not a pull into green when there's a blue card like Sailor of Means in the back. 
I would agree with that. I don't think it's a pull into into a new color. And if I were going to take a card of another color here, I think it would be Famish Paladin for me. But I, I agree with you. I would stick with a blue card here. I would take Sailor of Means. Seth disagrees and went for the Giltgrove Stalker. He must have a slight preference for Merfolk. Yeah, I guess so. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Pack one, pick four. You see the following cards. Secrets of the Golden City, one blue blue for the sorcery. Draw two cards. If you've got Ascend, draw three cards. Swagger and Corsair, two and a red for the 2-2 pirate uh, with a raid trigger of when it enters the battlefield. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it if you attacked with a creature this turn. And Sanguine Glorifier, three and a white for the 3-3 vamp. And when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target other vampire you control. Right. I mean, if these are the cards that we're listing, this pack, again, is probably pretty weak. And it is now making me feel like this whole pod has like seen pretty meh packs for the the first pack of this draft uh and again i would not see a reason to move off of blue and i would grab my first secrets of the golden city here i agree completely i would have gone blue card blue card blue card secrets of the golden city yeah seth is maybe not as high on secrets of the golden city as we are he took swaggering corsair here and dipped his toe into red yeah i mean he's got outs to be now blue green merfolk or blue red aggro but those are both decks that i'm not really excited to draft (laughs) Yes, I'm just not interested in drafting blue red. There is, I, I don't think there's a single circumstance on earth that would make a swaggering Corsair be my first red card. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I agree completely. <laughs> pack one, pick five. You see another Dust Legion Zealot, another Sanguine Glorifier, Sea Red. That's one and a red for the enchantment that gives a creature plus two, plus one, and first strike, and you must attack with a creature every turn or sacrifice Sea Red. And a Deadeye Rig Hauler. Three and a blue for the three-two pirate uh, with a raid trigger of bounce target creature and opponent controls. Uh, it's not actually an opponent controls because you can loop Deadeye Rig Hauler when you have Sunbird's Invocation in play to get a trigger. And I may, <laughs> maybe I've done that before. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll have to we'll have to leave that up to you to decide. Uh, again, I just think I'm just on straight. Like let's just keep taking blue cards. There's no reason to take something else here. Like Dusk Legion Zealot is good. I was high on Sea Red a couple weeks ago. I am not anymore. I just don't think this is a beard format. I don't think that enhancements are really the way that you're winning the games in these in these kinds of decks. Um, and while Dead Eye Rig Hauler has also gone down in value for me since our initial set review and impressions, uh, it's still a fine card. I would much rather it be a Spirewinder here, but I'll take my, my, four, my four mana blue card here and, and move on. I agree, and Seth agrees as well. He grabbed Deadeye Rig Hauler also. Pack one, pick six. You see the following options. Atzikin Seer, that's the green-white gold card again. Another Gilt Grove Stalker, the 2-1 Merfolk. And Majestic Helioptorus, three and a white for the 2-2 Flying Dinosaur that can like jump another dinosaur into the air and give it flying until end of turn when it attacks. Yeah, I mean, this is a bummer. There's no blue card here to, to speak of, really. Best card here is probably, again, Atzikin Seer, and so... I might just take that. I'm not sure in what configuration I would play it. Like, I could end up just being bant. But, like, if you get a, enough Sailor Means, you can splash this, and then this sort of enables other splashes, like, to get you to four or five color nonsense. Again, just Gilgrove Stalker is not the kind of card that I want. But but I, my guess is that that's what Seth took if he took it third. Yeah, Seth grabbed another Giltgrove Stalker, and I think I agree with Seth here. I think I would have taken Giltgrove Stalker. I mean, I'm willing to draft Merfolk, and I think it is a good deck when it comes together. I'm not quite as actively looking to be Merfolk as it seems Seth was, but I I don't really see myself like being banned, at least this early. I'm not like interested in picking a green-white gold card after picking five blue cards in a row. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm certainly not like feeling if I take Gilgrove Stalker like locked into green by any stretch here. That was just a pretty weak pack. Yeah, that's fair. And then do you want to run down for us what happened to Seth after these first six picks? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that his seat wanted to be like black-white or some configuration of Abzan, though, which is shocking after we're like, well, I took five blue cards in a row. But there was a lot of late white floating around, as we'll see as we go into uh, a couple other drafters who are in this pod later on in the episode. But there's a lot of late white cards in this pack. Um, He then got past a Chupacabra in pack two, and he didn't take it. He was just like so in... I'm going to be Merfolk. And that Chupacabra actually ended up going, I think, fifth pick before I think Andrew Cuneo snapped it up, which is just absurd to me because I think that card jumps your win rate by like 20%. (laughs) And unfortunately for Seth, he was actually drafting Merfolk with the person to his immediate right. Oh, no. Yeah. So pack two, he sort of got some stuff. But then pack three, he literally did not see a single Merfolk. So he just ended up having to pivot into like blue-green stuff. Which I think is probably something he feels like regret about not taking the, the Sailor of Means earlier in the pack. You know, like, I think those kinds of, that taking Sailor of Means early just sort of slots into so many different decks. And so if you do end up having to, like, train wreck into some sort of blue X stuff deck, like, that, that kind of card, like, opens you up. Secrets of the Golden City, that really opens you up to, like, doing other things. But I think getting Tunnel Vision on Merfolk maybe uh, messed him up a little bit. Yeah. And as a reminder, uh, these drafts are all, like, online. If you want to follow along at home... Uh, we will post, there's draft viewers for the Pro Tour. That's where we're getting these draft from, drafts from. There's draft viewers that you can look at every seat in these featured pods. So these are the day one pods. And then we're going to take a look at uh, maybe a couple day two, day two drafts as well. So we'll have those links in the show notes for everybody to, to follow along at home with if you're interested in that. All right, Ben, you're going to sit down a couple seats away from me. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this is Ari Lax's draft. Uh, he was in the same pod as Seth. So pack one, pick one, you look at a pack with the following cards. Deadeye Rig Hauler, that's the four drop 3-2 uh, that bounces a creature with Raid. Jungleborn Pioneer, two and a green for the 2-2 two, two Merfolk that on entering the battlefield makes a 1-1 one, one blue Merfolk creature with Hexproof. My boy. <laughs> Your boy, you were right about this guy. Uh, Atskin Seer, uh, that's the one green white 2-3 Birds of Paradise finds a can sacrifice to get a dino out of your graveyard and tilanali summoner see if i can do this from memory uh one in red for the one one elemental when it attacks you may pay x in a red if you do you create x number of one one red elemental tokens tapped and attacking if you have the city's blessing you keep them if you don't you sacrifice them end of turn boom what do you like here i do not like tilanali summoner very much as a card uh i've beaten that card pretty handily every time my opponents cast it and i've just never cast it myself because i don't think it's great i think atzikin seer is probably the most powerful card in the pack just based on raw power level but i'm not interested in taking a green white gold card first and then between jungleborn pioneer and deadeye rig hauler it's jungleborn pioneer like pretty handily for me i'm really high on jungleborn pioneer right now i think it's great at stopping the aggro decks and two bodies is so relevant merfolk is relevant card just does everything you want and i think when I really started liking this card was when I started viewing it as like a defensive speed bump. And that's when I, it really shifted in my brain. So I would be on a pretty easy Jungleborn Pioneer here first for myself. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, Ari took Tilanali Summoner. Um, and I don't know if that's just like a, a, a preference he has, if he's played with or against that card and he thinks it's strong. Um, our experiences are different, not saying one is right or one is wrong. Um, but he grabbed that card. I definitely, again, still feel like I don't really want to be a sort of red 
aggro deck. Not saying that summoner is necessarily aggressive, but uh, I would be averse to taking the summoner first. But he he grabbed that here. Uh, moving on to pick two, uh, you see the following cards. Dusk Charger, that's the three and a black, three, three horse. That if you have Ascend, it gets plus two, plus two. So four, four mana, five, five. Another Sunny T, uh, Woodland Stream, that's the green-blue tapped land. Traveler's Amulet, the one-mana artifact that you can pay a mana to sacrifice to find a basic land and put it into your hand. Martyr of Dusk, one and a white for the 2-1 vampire that when it dies makes a 1-1 vamp token with lifelink. Nezahal Primal Tide is your rare. This is the, the blue Elder Dino, the 5-blue-blue, 7-7. Seven, seven. Can't be countered when your opponent casts a non-creature spell. You draw a card, and you may discard three cards to exile it and return it to the battlefield tapped at the beginning of the next end step. That is a mouthful. I am impressed that you know that card that well. And I don't like it. <laughs> I don't think it's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's particularly good either. I think, you know, this is a fairly weak pack here oh, like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be very happy to second pick any of these cards mm-hmm. there's not really a green card to speak of to match up with jungleborn pioneers so we're branching into another color here mm-hmm. i think the most reasonable options for me are like i'd probably be trying to narrow it down to traveler's amulet just to like keep myself flexible although I, like if traveler's amulet were an evolving wild tier i would slam it i was just about to say the same thing <laughs> traveler's amulet i think is a significant amount worse than evolving wilds and evolving wilds is turning into a premium card for me in this format so i think i would rule out traveler's amulet just like because i don't want to second pick it so i think i would actually be on like martyr of dusk here as just like getting an early two drop but i would not be thinking anything about it and would be like super willing to move off of it yeah I think I might, for the same reasons you were talking about Traveler's Amulet, I might be inclined to grab a Woodland Stream here, um, just because I, I I so often end up in, like, some version of Sultai splashing a third color that, like, yeah, I might not use it, but if I do, it's going to be a really good pick for this this pack. And the rest of these cards don't excite me that much. They're all cards that I feel like I can get later. Like, I don't need to take a Dusk Charger now. I don't need to take a Suncrested Pterodon now. So I might just be on Woodland Stream. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't fault anyone for doing that. Seth also grabbed a Martyr of Dusk here. So I think, again, probably not being like, all right, sweet, I'm red, white, aggro or something. Just probably grabbing what he thinks is the best card in the pack. And, and he, he very well might be right. Third pick here of the pack, you see a Frilled Death Spitter, the Tuna Red 3-2 Dino that has Enraged deal 2 damage to an opponent, another Sunny T, another Secrets of the Golden City, and an Expel from Orozka. This is the one in a blue instant, bounce a non-land permanent to its owner's hand, but if you have the city's blessing, you can put that card on top of its owner's library if you wish. Trend of weak packs is continuing. This is the same pod from the first draft we took a look at. Of these cards, I think Expel from Orozka is the best card, and I still think I'm like in take the best card out of the pack mode. There's not a green card really to match up with my Jungleborn Pioneer. Nothing to match up with my white card except a Suncrested Pterodon, which I'm not thrilled to third pick. So I think Expel from Orozka is the best, most powerful card here, and I think I'd be looking to take that. Yeah, I think so. I mean... I think maybe Secrets of the Golden City is better, but I think you can you can get that effect. I mean, it's also you can get bounce effects too. But the fact that this is like I think Expel, Expel from Rosgrave is the best pack here, is best card in this pack here, I should say. But I think it's so replaceable. Also, there's so much bounce in this format. Like, yeah, it's a cheaper run ground, but there's also there's Depths of Desire, there's Perilous Voyage, there's Crashing Tide. Like, if you want a bounce effect, you're gonna get one in blue. Right, and you're not like Secrets of the Golden City is unique. So that I, I could certainly see an argument for secrets there. 
Yeah, uh, I'm not sure which one I would take, uh, but I, I, I might. I'm, and I think Secrets is double blue, which is a little scary to take here, I think. But it's so early, and I already grabbed my green-blue land. I don't know. I think I might be on Secrets over Expel. But I think it's very, very close. Uh, Ari took Expel from Araska, and so did you. So we'll move on to pack four. Dusk Legion Zealot, the 1-1 vamp draw card, lose a life. Moment of Triumph, single white. For the instant target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, you gain two life. Uh, another mutiny, a single red sorcery speed removal spell, and another secrets of the Golden City. Yeah, more not great packs here. This is tough. I think I really do not want to like move into red for mutiny. Although I think mutiny is probably like the best card in the pack. No, secrets of the Golden City is the best card in the pack. But that's that's what I was just gonna make an argument for. Like I think that that boil that boils down to like what you want to do. Yeah, and I would much rather be in a deck that's running. I think maybe maybe even close on power level. I would much rather be casting Secrets of the Golden City than Mutiny in my deck, and mm-hmm. I think I would be on Secrets of the Golden City here after just picking a blue card and Expel from Roscoe. Yeah. Ari keeping his options open here and grabbing a Mutiny, I guess maybe still holding on to wanting to play the Tillanali Summoner, or also maybe nodding that it is the, the best card in the pack. Uh, not, not, not sure there, but he grabs the Mutiny. Moving on to pick five, we see an Atskin Seer, so we're going to start to see a bunch of cards that we talked about in Seth's pod or sets seat atskin seer the one green white two three secrets of the golden city a voracious vampire that's two and a black for the two two vampire with menace when it enters the battlefield target vampire gets plus one plus one and menace until end of turn and highland lake that's the blue red tapped dual land this has got some better options here. Uh, Atsikin Seer is a card I'm pretty excited about at this point in the draft. That means like four people to my right have passed up on a green-white gold card that's very, very good. And there was one in your first pack. So if you're getting one fifth, you might get that one ninth. Yeah, that would also be in the back of my head for sure. So I think like these other options like Secrets, Voracious Vampire, and Highland Lake pale in comparison to the power level of Atsikin Seer here. I've already got, if I'm navigating... The draft the way I did, I've already got a Jungleborn Pioneer and a Martyr of Dusk to pair up with it. And I think I would hop on the Atskin Seer here and just take a flyer and see what happens as like far and away the best card in the pack, in my opinion. Yeah, this is about where I would want to pick this card up in the pack. Uh, I don't think it's like the insane power level of like Raging Regisaur or Deadeye Brawler as, as a gold uncommon. But getting it about fifth pick, I'm like, yeah, maybe I want to move in here. And it allows you to do things that Sailor of Means allows you to do. Like if you're base green white with a couple Seers, then you get to splash around a little bit, which I think is valuable in this set. So I, I, I like that pick, especially with your start. Ari grabbed Secrets of the Golden City. So he just passed one up, but he decided, all right, this seems like it might be a signal. And I've got my expel from Araska, and maybe he's going to end up in some sort of blue-red deck at this point. Pack six, you see a Sailor of Means, a Famished Paladin, that's the one white 3-3, three, three, and Dinosaur Hunter, one in a black for the 2-2 two, two pirate, uh, that when it deals damage to a dinosaur, you destroy that creature. Yeah, three fine cards here. We're not in black uh, by any stretch of the imagination, so I think we can pretty quickly rule out Dinosaur Hunter, and then it, it boils down to Sailor of Means versus Famish Paladin. Mm-hmm. Uh, after just picking up Atskin Seer here, I'd be thrilled to see Famish Paladin. I think that card shines in green-white as like an excellent defensive two-drop, like a 3-3 three, three for two mana. So I'd be thrilled to pick up Famish Paladin here, and I'd be looking to move into green-white. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Ari's trying to navigate this a little differently. He just grabbed the Secrets of the Golden City, so maybe he's thinking about slowing the game down, trying to get that city's blessing. So he's grabbed Sailor of Means here out of this pack. The rest of the pack shakes out really bizarrely. As I said earlier, I think White was super open, and we see that he grabs two Sanguine Glorifiers and two Suncrested Pterodons late in the pack. 
Um, he then starts pack two with a captain's hook and a couple water knots and basically just puts the blinders up for blue-white skies. At the end of the day, I think the deck looked kind of medium. He did end up grabbing a couple bishop soldiers out of the last pack, but it felt like he had a lot of just like filler two drops, like that Sun Sentinel, the 2-2 two -two with Vigilance, and not a ton of like good interaction, like not a lot of auras. He didn't get like a Curious Obsession or a Sanguine Bond or anything like that. Not, we're not saying... Is that right? No, it's not Sanguine Bond. Why do I always think that's what that card is? Luminous Bonds? No, the uh, our, our favorite card. Our favorite card. The two and a white in enhancement. Squire's Devotion? Squire's Devotion. <laughs> oh, I hate my life. You need to start picking that card higher, my friend. Oh, I am. No, I am. I am. I promise. I just... I don't know why I always blank on that that name. Squire's Devotion. So his deck didn't look great. It looks like you would have navigated the draft uh, quite a bit differently. Yeah, I, I think I'd have ended up in green-white pretty hard in his seat. Uh, I think, like, the pack one, pick one, uh, Tilanali Summoner versus Jungleborn Pioneer is pretty huge. Because I, I kind of remember him getting another Jungleborn Pioneer or a Hunt the Week next pick, pick seven, if I remember correctly. And I think there was, like, very clear green-white signals in his seat towards the end of pack one. He did end up wheeling the other Atsakan Seer mm -hmm. from pick one. And I, I think his green-white deck would have been insanely good. Just like something as insignificant as like Tilanali Summoner versus Jungleborn Pioneer pack one pick one, I think really changed the course of his draft because I don't think he really did have like a huge option to take Atsakan Seer pick five without abandoning more of his picks mm -hmm. uh, rather because he already had a Mutiny and a Tilanali Summoner at that point. So he was more solidly in red is, is super interesting. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to our last day one pod one. Well, pod 49, I think it is or something like that. <laughs> Our day one feature pod, this is the third draft there, Colin Roundtree. This is the person that 3-0'd this draft, and he is three seats to the left of Ari Lax, the person whose draft we just took a look at. Pack one, pick one, you sit down and you see the following options. Sailor of Means, Legion Conquistador, Impale, the two black black, destroy target creature, Hunt the Weak, three and a green, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control, fight target creature you don't control, and another Famished Paladin, the one on a white, three three vamp. This seems like a pretty straightforward pack one pick one. I think Impale is the best card in this pack by maybe not a significant margin, but by a, a, a pretty big enough margin that I don't think there's much to discuss. I agree with that completely. Yeah, I think if it's if I'm not taking Impale, then I think Hunt the Week and Sailor Means are pretty close in terms of like what you want to do. I think Blue is a better color and Sailor Means is a slightly worse card, but I, I think I'd probably be on Hunt the Week next. Yeah, my order would go Impale, Hunt, Sailor, Famish Paladin, I think, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and I think Paladin and Legion Conquistador are actually surprisingly close for me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Colin agrees and also first picked Impale. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following options. Secrets of the Golden City, one blue blue, draw two cards. If you've got Ascend, draw three. Resplendent Griffin, one white blue for the 2-2 two -two flying Griffin, I assume. Uh, <laughs> that when, it's got, when you've got Ascend, uh, if you attack with it, you can put a plus one plus one counter on it. And Path of Discovery. Ooh. Three and a green for the enchantment. Whenever a creature you control enters the battlefield, it explores. Yeah, I think I've said this before um, on stream and I think even on the show. I don't, I, Path of Discovery is like a near bomb to me. I don't think it's actually like maybe bomb status because it needs other things to work. But like... It does not take many explorations for this card to have done a ton of work, and I really like it, and I would grab that here. Uh, Resplendent Griffin is not a card that has, has impressed me that much, even in Blue-White's guys. I just think it's a little too fragile. The fact that it like dies to Moment of Craving, and it's like terrible at blocking, 
um, I think really make it uh, go quite a bit down for me. Like, yeah, it's, I can definitely see it spiraling out of control, um, but that's just because you're able to attack with it. And if you're able to attack with it, then you're probably winning anyway. So I, I like Path of Discovery here. I agree completely. I was so psyched when I was looking at this draft viewer to see Path of Discovery, and I was like, all right, Colin's going to slam this. His deck's going to be insane. And then Resplendent Griffin, and I was disappointed. I would also be on Path of Discovery here. I agree with everything you said. Colin took Resplendent Griffin here and is maybe uh, likes blue-white a lot or maybe just is higher on the card than we are, but I agree with every knock you said against Resplendent Griffin. Not been impressed by that card. Moving on to pack three. You see the following options. Water Knot, one blue blue for the enchantment that taps target creature and opponent controls down, and it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Another Sea Red, the plus two plus one first strike enchantment. Another Mutiny, another Hunt the Weak, another Dust Legion Zealot, and a Dead Eye Rig Hauler. Yeah, I mean this is a not a bad pack. There's like a lot of like you know pretty even keeled power level cards. I think it comes down to probably the two removal spells, Water Knot and Hunt the Weak, and I just picked up what I consider to be basically a green bomb. So I'm going to grab a green removal spell here in Hunt the Week. Yeah, I agree completely. If I'd gone Path of Discovery, I would be on Hunt the Week here. Colin, just having taken Resplendent Griffin, uh, grabs Water Knot, which makes total sense. Yeah, for sure. The Ascend decks in blue-white really like Water Knot and Luminous Bonds because it's removal that gets you towards your city's blessing count. Absolutely. Moving on to pick four, you see the following options. Sunny T, the four and a white for the two five flying dino with dino vigilance. Another jungleborn pioneer, another guilt grove stalker, the Atsican seer that's been floating around the table, and a gleaming barrier. Two mana for the 04 artifact uh, that when it dies, you can make a treasure token. Do you know what's better than playing one creature when you have path of discovery in play? playing two creatures <laughs> yeah so jungleborn pioneer gives you two things that would explore so i would grab that here though i think atskin seer is like uh, a fine pickup here as like a, a like i said when uh when ari had it and you were like i would take it here fifth like this is fourth pick i think it's like about the time when i might be like all right maybe this is when i want to take this but jungleborn pioneer keeps me just green and figuring out the rest also maybe i can hold on to to being able to play my pack one pick one and pale um, but i would just take jungleborn pioneer here and and wait to see what my second color should be. I agree. I think Jungleborn Pioneer is too busted with the Path of Discovery that you and I took, and I would be slamming it here. Ari, continuing down his Resplendent Griffin path, picks up Suncrested Pterodon, uh, which makes sense, like, given how his draft's gone. But I just think, like, Resplendent Griffin is not a card that makes me want to play blue-white. Right. Is, is what I would say about that. So he's got, Colin, rather, now has Impale, Resplendent Griffin, Water Knot, and a Suncrested Pterodon. I think this is too early to take Suncrested Pterodon. It's a card I like a lot. I'm happy to have like two or three in deck some, sometimes, but you don't need to take it fourth, at least right now. Like people are not taking this card early. And as we see, the pros are not taking this card that early. So I, I just think it's a little too soon to grab this kind of kind of card. I agree, but I do think it does tons of work in decks that have dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Or even, or even not dinosaurs if you just wanted a strictly a blocker. But like I, I love Suncrested Pterodon and Green White Dinosaurs. Uh, moving on to pack one, pick five, you see another Sunny T. You see this Nezahal Primal Tide that's gone around the table, the blue rare. Uh, Imperial Ceratops, the four and a white for the three five dinosaur that's got an enraged trigger, you gain two life. River Darter, two and a blue for the two three merfolk that can't be blocked by dinosaurs. And zero red or black cards in the pack. All right, so it's feeling like we got to say bye bye to the pack one, pick one impale. And then I got to figure out what my second color is going to be. 
I still think Nezahal is not that exciting. I would probably just grab Suncrested Pterodon here, um, even though I still think this is a little too early, but I think it's the best card of what's remaining. I think I would be on Nezahal Primal Tide here, just as like a flyer, because I, I would anticipate being able to pick up some Suncrested Pterodons, but I'm, I'm not in love with it. Yeah, not, not great options in any direction here, I don't think. Colin took a river darter, which is really surprising to me. Under no circumstances do I want a river darter in my deck, hardly ever. Like, I'm happy to sideboard it against dinosaurs decks, but I don't even usually start river darter in my merfolk decks. Yeah, this just feels like blinders up, blue white skies. But if it's blinders up, blue white skies, why aren't you taking sun crested pterodon? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then the pack rounds out. He picks up uh, over the next few packs Secrets of the Golden City into Secrets of the Golden City into a Highland Lake into a Snubhorn Sentry and then sees a 12th pick Atsican Seer that he does not take advantage of. So I think, you know, he ended up blue-white and I think mostly as a result of second picking that Resplendent Griffin. I think green-white was like way more open in his seat also as we saw for Ari. I don't think there was a green-white drafter at the table and they're 100% should have been with the amount of Atsican Seers that were open and passed up over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, so I think either of those two guys really could have taken advantage of that. He got a huge hookup in white in pack two, and he eventually did move in. However, like the card that like really made him move into white, it feels like, or like decide he was white as a secondary color, he took a pack two pick two Sun Sentinel, which is the 2-2 Vigilance over Everdawn's champion, which is the one white white 2-2 uh, protection from combat damage, which is just like hard to wrap my brain around. Maybe it was a curve consideration. I don't know. Yeah, he did pick up a couple secrets of the Golden City, so maybe he felt like his three drop slot was was clogged already. But I don't know, man, that that seems a little bonkers to me. Yeah, uh, I'm certain if I was in Colin's seat, I would have ended up in green white again. I think, think there was a great green white at the deck of this, this pod that did not get taken advantage of. Yeah, with two two of the, the seers floating around, for sure. All right, it's day two, Ben. Woof. You came in hot. You you ate one in your in your first day. With all that modern practice I've been doing? All that <laughs> modern practice, just playing red deck wins. And now you're sitting down for uh, a draft on day two. So we're going to take a look at John Stern's draft here. And pack one, pick one, you see the following cards. Goblin Trailblazer, uh, one in red for the 2-1 Pirate with Menace. Jungleborn Pioneer. Dire Fleet Poisoner, this is your rare, one in a black for the 2-2 pirate with flash and death touch. And when it enters the battlefield, you can give target attacking pirate plus one, plus one, and death touch until end of turn. Oathsworn Vampire, one in a black for the 2-2 vamp. It enters the battlefield tapped, and if you gained life this turn, you may cast it from your graveyard. And Shake the Foundations, two in a red for the instant deal one damage to all creatures without flying and draw a card. Yeah, and we need to preface this that Profane Procession, the white-black-gold enchantment flip card, was opened directly to the right of John's turn. So mm -hmm. he knows that the person directly to his right took an insane white-black-gold bomb. Mm -hmm. So looking at these first pick options, I think the two best cards out of the five we named are Jungleborn Pioneer and Dire Fleet Poisoner. And I think Dire Fleet Poisoner is probably a slightly better card than Jungleborn Pioneer, although that's not even that clear to me. Oh, I think it's definitely better than Jungleborn Pioneer. Do you? Yeah. I'm not like crazy high on it because I don't really want to be attacking with my pirates. So I'm looking at that more as like a 2-2 a black death touch instant speed flash, like more of an ambush viper type card. Yeah, it's a removal spell. Yeah, it's good. So normally I would be taking Dire Fleet Poisoner here, but... Given the fact that my neighbor opened a white black gold card uh, and took it, I'm going to be slamming Jungleborn Pioneer here. Yeah, it's this is one of the things that we don't get when we draft on Magic Online, that sort of like knowledge of flip cards opened at the table. Um, but he's certainly 
taking that into account, and I think we'll, we'll shape his picks from here on out. And he also grabs a jungle-born pioneer, just avoiding black and white and saying, I got to figure out something else to do because I know the person to my right is is going to try and play this profane procession. Pack two, he sees an exultant sky marcher, one white white for the two three vamp with flying, crashing tide, two and a blue for the sorcery speed bounce belt, but it has flash if you have a merfolk and you draw a card. Deadeye rig hauler, storm fleet sprinter, this is one blue red for the two two pirate with haste and it can't be blocked. And jadecraft artisan, three and a green for the three three merfolk. When it enters the battlefield, target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. Yeah, this is interesting. There's a lot of like similarly power leveled cards here i'm like not very high on stormfleet sprinter at all because i don't really want to be blue red i think the best card in the pack might be exultant sky marcher yeah that's what i think but like again like we know our neighbor just took an insane black we're gonna keep saying that but i do think that's like very important information to know like if if in a magic online draft you know what colors your neighbor is drafting you probably try to steer away from them if there's another card that's close in power level and i think crashing tide and deadeye rig hauler are close in power level to exalt and sky marcher although not as good and i think i would be on crashing tide here over deadeye rig hauler i think crashing tide's a more flexible card that always does what you want it to do when deadeye rig hauler works it's better but it just doesn't always work yeah, I think I, I am on Crashing Tide as being better than Rig Hauler, though they're both out of my top three commons in blue rankings. But I think I'd be on Crashing Tide here as well for all of the reasons you listed. John swung the other end. He he grabbed the Deadeye Rig Hauler here. Pick three, you see a Secrets of the Golden City, another Jadecraft Artisan, a Hornswoggle. This is two and a blue for the instant counter-target creature spell and make a treasure token. That card is the bane of my existence. <laughs> the bane of my existence. Is this the mana tithe of Rivals of Ixalan for you? It really is. Every time I go to tap out for my bomb, I get Hornswoggled. <laughs> Every time. Can I tell you something gross that I did? What did you do? Okay. My opponent had the eight drop white dine elder dino that like you just can't deal with once it's on the battlefield yeah yeah so i had that tutor card the like you can tutor for a card in your deck or in your sideboard oh yeah and so i found hornswoggle to counter their thing off of off of treasure yes i love it (laughs) that would have been so mad i i I was probably playing you and you just didn't notice the username (laughs) that's right that's probably what happened (laughs) uh you also have a fathom fleet border the Three, two and a black, three, three pirate, and a majestic Helioptorus, the two, two flying dino that can launch another dino. Yeah, this pack is not exciting again. So, like, it's all medium power level. I think I'm looking to stay away from the black and the white cards. And so between Secrets of the Golden City, Jadecraft Artisan, and Hornswoggle, I think I'm on Secrets of the Golden City as the best card out of those three. But this just boils down to personal preference, I think. Mm-hmm. My reasoning is I think you can get Jadecraft Artisans later and they're less unique of a card. And I do think your four drop slot can get clogged in a hurry in blue-green and just in general in this format. And I think I like Secrets more than Hornswoggle, despite the fact that I keep getting owned by Hornswoggle. Yeah, I think for the same reason you said Jadecraft Artisan can go later, I think also Secrets of the Golden City can. And while I think people are pretty down on Hornswoggle... I might just grab it here and be like, I, I can take this and get this effect now. I feel like I can get a Secrets of the Golden City effect later on in the pack. So I, I might grab Hornswoggle here. John grabbed a Jadecraft Artisan. So he's he's maybe leaning a bit into the merfolk life with a pioneer, rig hauler, artisan, going a bit, bit aggro merfolk. Pick four, you see the following cards. Secrets of the Golden City, a Sailor of Means, a Mutiny. A Moment of Triumph, Dire Fleet Neckbreaker, the bane of my draft existence. This is 
<laughs> two black red for the three two pirate uh, attacking pirates you control get plus two plus oh and relentless raptor this is the red white three three dinosaur with vigilance and it must attack and block each combat if able yeah the two gold cards are far and away the most powerful cards in the pack i think what no direfly neckbreaker is the last pick card it's a terrible card <laughs> awful magic card never take it I disagree with that, but <laughs> yes, the, this is a little bit of hyperbole there for you following <laughs> along at home. So blue cards in the pack, Secrets and Sailor. Sailor's far and away better than Secrets, in my opinion. I'm not looking to like hop into red for a mutiny. So I think it really boils down to, for us, between Secrets and Sailor, and I think I'm on Sailor is the better card. I am as well, and so is John. Pick five, another Sunny T, a Suncrested Pterodon, another Jungle-Born Pioneer, Secrets of the Golden City, and a Buccaneer's Bravado, one on a red for the instant target creature gets plus one, plus one, and first strike until end of turn, or target pirate gets plus one, plus one, and double strike until end of turn. It was good enough to first pick, it's good enough to fifth pick, I would be slamming Jungle-Born Pioneer here, and I would be thrilled about it. Yeah, for sure. So the rest of this pack and draft sort of shakes out as you might expect. He he kind of put the blinders up for green blue he got a river darter next which we don't like did get a late hunt the week seventh and a sailor of means eighth though as he as we will see in his final build he did not play these sailor of means he just sort of put the blinders up got hooked up sort of in pack two but then really pack three he went like river herald's boon shapers of nature and i forget and another like pretty busted merfolk card third so he ended up with a pretty sweet green blue merfolk deck which I think can happen if you just sort of hold on for dear life sometimes in this format, as he did. And he ended up 3-0-ing this draft pod, and he was one of the 6-0 drafters for the weekend. Yeah, and the, if you take a look, we'll, we'll link the 6-0 drafts in the show notes. If you take a look at the 6-0 drafts, it's like white-black deck, blue-black deck, white-black deck, white-black deck, blue-black deck, and lots of the decks uh, that we were talking about being good last episode. And really, the only aggro decks that are in there are Merfolk decks. So that felt good to know that like the the 60 drafters were using strategies that we were recommending in our last episode. And I think the other thing that was really interesting about John's final build, like he played a lot of the one drop uh Merfolk. He mm-hmm. played Miscloaked Heralds, he played uh Jade Bearer. Yes, Jade Bearer, thank you. Uh You're and welcome. he chose not to like main deck uh the Sailor of Means and a Golden Guardian that he opened in in pack 2. That takes a lot of discipline. I don't think so he had like a very controlling blue green deck he also could have built Mm -hmm. Um, and i would be interested to see like or to know if he ever sideboarded into like that more controlling build yeah oh yeah i wonder if he did that seems like he might have just been smashing face with some unblockable one ones yeah and then our last draft here that we're going to take a look at is uh, and i'm really sorry if i'm pronouncing this this name wrong i don't know this person Uh, this is tai yun hao and this is a what not to do in rix uh, as far as we are concerned so we sit down first pick and you see the following options so this is the same pod as john this is day two sailor of means mutiny moment of craving one in a black for the instant speed minus two minus two gain two life jungleborn pioneer dire fleet neckbreaker the black red gold card daring buccaneer a single red mana for a two two uh that when you cast it you have to either reveal a pirate card or pay an extra two mana and Relentless Raptor, red-white for the 3-3 dinosaur that has to attack or block each turn if able, and it's got Vigilance. I think I still have Moment of Craving as the best common in the format, uh, so I would grab that here over the like two gold uncommons and the pretty unexciting uh, red uncommon. So that, that that's what I'm on. Moment of Craving seems pretty straightforward to me. Yep, I agree with Moment of Craving there. 
Yun Hao uh, disagrees and picks Daring Buccaneer here, which is like super surprising to me. First of all, I'd never want to be red. And I think it's like one of the weakest cards in the pack here, just on straight power level. Yeah, this is very antithetical to what we were discussing in our last episode about avoiding the aggro trap. He seems quite committed to diving into the aggro trap here with this first pick. Yeah, and I think if you wanted to try, if you had a preference for aggro, I would think I would first pick Dire Fleet Neckbreaker because that's like one of the best cards for aggro in my experience, like facing it down on the other side of the table. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think if you want aggro, you should grab that card for sure. Moving on to pick two, you see the following options. Jungleborn Pioneer, Secrets of the Golden City, Goblin Trailblazer, one in a red for the 2-1 Pirate with Menace. Buccaneer's Bravado, one in a red for the instant speed trick that gives target creature plus one plus one and first strike, or gives a pirate creature plus one plus one and double strike. Legion Lieutenant, white black for the 2-2 vampire lore that gives other vampires plus one plus one. And Baffling End, one in a white for the enchantment removal spell uh, that exiles target creature, converter mana cost three or less. And if a Baffling End ever leaves the battlefield, your opponent gets a 3-3 dino creature with trample. So my feeling about the two uncommon lords, Legion Lieutenant and Merfolk Mistbinder, is that if I feel like I'm in one of the colors and I get past them kind of early, I'm going to grab them and and see if that tribe is open. Uh, I feel this way much stronger for Legion Lieutenant than for the Mistbinder, because I think Vamps is a better tribe than Merfolk. But having grabbed Moment of Craving, I think I would just grab the Lord here and be very willing to move off of it. Like, I'm not trying to get, like, tunnel visioned into being Vamps here. But I think it's a, a high enough payoff here that I'm okay to grab a gold card. I agree completely. Yun Hao disagrees and makes sense. His pick uh, matches up his Daring Buccaneer with a Goblin Trailblazer here and is looking to draft some red aggro. Yeah. Moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following options. Colossal Dreadmaw, four green green for the 6-6 six, six Trample. Love that card. Knight of the Stampede, three and a green for the 2-4 uh, that makes your dinosaurs cost two less to cast. Card is super strong. Fathom Fleet Border, that's two and a black for the 3-3 three, three Pirate. Uh, you lose two life uh, when it enters the battlefield unless you control another pirate. Kite Sail Corsair. And a Stormfleet Swashbuckler, one and a red for the 2-2 Pirate, uh, that when you've got Ascend, has Double Strike. Uh, yeah, so just what I was talking about, I'm willing to move off of this. There's not a good card for Legion Lieutenant in this pack, but Kite Sail Corsair is, I think, the best card in the pack, and I would be thrilled to be just blue-black with a Moment of Craving and a Corsair and, and move on from there. So that that's what I'm going to grab here. I agree completely. Uh, Yun Hao does as well, and takes Kite Sail Corsair. Moving on to pick four, you see the following options. Crashing Tide, uh, Tuna Blue for the Bounce Spell draw card, Evolving Wilds, Hunt the Weak, Martyr of Dusk, one and a white for the 2-1 Vamp, Slippery Scoundrel, two and a blue for the 2-2, I think this is a pirate, mm -hmm. uh, and if you've got Ascend, it gets Hexproof and Unblockable, and Stampeding Horncrest, four and a red for the 4-4 Dinosaur, uh, that has haste as long as you control another dinosaur. This is pretty interesting. I mean, I think the most powerful cards in the pack are either Hunt the Weak or Slippery Scoundrel, but... They don't really line up with what I just just took. I could t I think I could see taking Scoundrel to pair up with the Corsair. I could see taking Martyr of Dusk, though it's like a little weak. But you know, it it might give me hope that I could still be Black White Vamps with the Legion Lieutenant. And there's also just an Evolving Wilds here, and this is about where I think I can be taking this card because I often end up in three colors, and it really makes my mana base a lot better. Hunt the Week seems a little tough having gone black card, white black card, blue card, when there is like decent options otherwise, though I think Hunt the Week may be the best card in the pack. I think I would probably grab Martyr of Dusk and try and keep the Vampire Dream alive for at least one more pick. It's certainly reasonable. I think 
Hunt the Week is enough better than Martyr of Dusk here that I would be on it here over Martyr of Dusk. Uh, I like Hunt the Week quite a bit. I could see any of Evolving Wilds, Hunt the Week, Martyr of Dusk, given our route through the draft so far. Mm -hmm. Yun Hao takes Slippery Scoundrel here to pair up with his Kite Sail Corsair, which makes perfect sense. And he's on track to draft like a very focused blue-red aggro deck. I think you and I just don't want to draft that deck. Not at all. And then the rest of rest of the next two picks just round out. Similarly, he grabs a Deadeye Rig Hauler and a Goblin Trailblazer. There's a Sailor of Means for you and I and a Riverwise Augur in the in the next two picks. And I think while he's got like a much cleaner, clearer route through the draft so far, I don't think you could say anything other than that he's forcing Blue-Red Aggro with the first pick of Daring Buccaneer over those other cards. That's just like seems pretty apparent to me. And I I don't think that's where we want to be in the format. Um, So while it looks like we're floundering around here, I think our route, it leaves us more options. And I do think he was fortunate that our red X aggro was open. Like he could have gotten really owned if somebody else was trying to do what he was trying to do. Mm hmm. Or drafting red X dinos. Like, it doesn't have to just be aggro. Like, that. there's not enough good red cards out there, I think, for, like, multiple red drafters to really get good cards. So he really could have could have train-wrecked quite hard with this start. Uh, but he did not. He ended up with a very good red-blue aggro deck. Or, like, as good as those decks are. He ended up with the stereotypical red-blue aggro deck. Yeah, which, I mean, the in the latest Limited Resources episode, one of the things that, that LSV was talking about was how, in, in their forums for the testing, they kept, like, posting these decks that looked like good blue-red decks that just kept not doing well. And I think that's just sort of a testament to what we discussed last week about avoiding that kind of deck. For sure. I think that's a great place to uh, try to wrap things up here. It's a lot of drafts to have gone over. Uh, hopefully, the PT is wrapping up now, and I can go check out who did well in the top eight. Yeah, for sure. Next week, I'm going to be really interested to see how, after like our episode and the Limited Resources episode and the Pro Tour, how the format changes. Because I think there's definitely going to be some changes. Yes, for sure. For sure. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Uh, we have some updates for the Rivals of Ixalan treasure hunt. Um, we have 15 achievements we've outlined for people to uh, to try and unlock and screenshot and send to us. Uh, and a lot of those are sort of to make like the biggest things uh, of their category. So we wanted to update people on, on where we're at. So Strict Familiar currently has the biggest Awakened Amalgam at a 13-13. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a 13-13 augmented by a couple other things, but also a lot of lands in play. Generation D20 also had one that was 11-11, and mm -hmm. he had he had two rows of lands in his yeah. screenshot. I've never seen Magic Online make two rows of lands ever. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, Generation D20, of course, uh, has a lot of these unlocked, and, and, and at the top of them, he's got, you can't touch this, he's attacked for 11 power of unblockable damage. Polywana Raptor, he's created 16 Polyraptors. What can you do? He had a Hwatley at 81 loyalty. <laughs> That's absurd. Uh, and you won't like me when I'm angry. He had a Seachorn Ceratops as a 24-24 uh, off the back of sacking his entire team with makeshift munitions. <laughs> That's great. Tangent measure, what's mana burn, floated 35 mana off the flip artifact enchantment. Uh, or off the flip artifact, I should say. I thought that was going to be one of the hardest ones to do, and he just snapped it off like, just within the first week week of the format or so. Yeah. These are super fun. If you've got screenshots of them, please make sure to tweet at us at Lord Tupperware, at Mr. Metronome, at Lords of Limited, with the hashtag R-I-X Treasure Hunt. And the only one we're missing is Land Ho. Is that true for the 15-hour stream? That is. That's the only one left to unlock. So we need people to uh, return eight lands with World Shaper. Come on. You can do it. 
I got so close, so ah. close, but my opponents kept conceding. <laughs> the deck was too strong. If you have any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. And you can check us out on Twitch as well as the Twitter accounts I mentioned, twitch.tv slash lordtupperware for me and twitch.tv slash Metronome for Ben. Hopefully we'll see you streaming a bit more this week, yeah? Yes, I am going to be on drafting up a storm to make up for the last week and a half that I've been absent. Excellent. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you later. 